Now the nations bow down to sing. The only sound is a praises to Christ our King. Slowly the names from the book are read. I know the King with no need to Let's take our Bibles today. Turn over the book of 1 John, chapter 3. 1 John, chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 10. We're going to read through verse 24. Right to the end of the chapter. 1 John, chapter 3, verses 10 through 24. And we've been dealing with getting back to God. We talked about getting back to the Bible, back to prayer, back to soul winning. And tonight I want to begin by discussing and addressing this issue of getting back to loving. Back to loving. Boy, we got to get back to loving. Yep. First John chapter 3. Notice what the Bible has to say. Beginning in verse 10. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue. 
but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whosoever, whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty powerful passage. Now that's a, con- a convicting passage. It's a sobering passage. In this self-absorbed, self-centered, egocentric, and narcissistic world in which we live, it is very difficult to find people who show genuine concern and care for others today. You know, we're so preoccupied with the avalanche of activity in our own lives We're dangerously focused on our own personal achievements and our own successes. And we are overly consumed with providing for our own needs and comforts. So much so that we fail to reach out and lift up, encourage, and share with others. You know, most are quick to, you know, share a buck or two. Most are quick to do a good turn here or there or to sacrifice a little bit of time, effort, or personal space but to truly give up some real time, (laughs) real uh, sacrifice. I mean, to really be uncomfortable in our giving or in our sharing. That doesn't happen too often today. Love, I believe, is what is often missing. I'm talking about a biblical love, God kind of love. And I believe it's time for God's people to get back to loving as outlined in the Scriptures. And so as we begin our study, we need to address, you know, basically a common misunderstanding today to begin with. As we talk about love, it's important. Turn over to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. Again, I'm convinced we need to get back to love. We need to get back to loving as God would have us. I mean, we read in the scriptures in the book of 1 John a powerful passage. And boy, I'll tell you what, it would shake our very foundation of belief and faith if indeed we were struggling with this area. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Doesn't pull too many punches. <clears throat> Look what it says in Matthew 22, though. There's a tremendous misunderstanding, it seems, today in, in, in many circles. And I'm talking about primarily psychology and, and, and psychiatry as we look at this mentality of loving oneself. Notice what the Bible says. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love thy, the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now, none of us have any problem with that, obviously. We, we recognize that. We admit that. We, we even, you know, understand it completely. We get that. God deserves to be loved, first and foremost. But notice what it goes on to say. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. And the prophets, excuse me. Now today, many have mistaken this passage to teach something that it does not teach. If you read through that second portion, it says, And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know what many are teaching today, especially in the realm of psychology, they're teaching that before you can love your neighbor, you have to love yourself. 
And they, this is the passage they go to to reinforce that, to say, <clears throat> see, even biblically and scripturally, it says here in the passage, they'll point to it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So if you don't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. And that's how they explain it. That's how they, they address it. That's the position they come from is that side of it. But that's not what's being taught at all here. Look if you would in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, and I'll prove to you that that is not what it's teaching. Now again, <clears throat> many will say, you can't possibly love someone else till you love yourself. And I'm going to say this, there's no doubt that there are people with elements of esteem issues and they have issues where they, they find themselves feeling insecure about situations and circumstances. But hold on, we start talking about loving our neighbor. Let me tell you, friend, the fact is today is that nobody in the room has to worry about whether they love themselves. Look what it says in Ephesians 5, 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. What's he say? He says, you know what you're really preoccupied about more than anything else? Cherishing and nourishing your flesh. Let me tell you something. Don't you believe the lie that people don't love themselves? You know what the problem is? We love ourselves so much that we have no room for others. <clears throat> someone says, yeah, but my self-esteem is so low that I couldn't possibly love someone. I'm telling you, biblically and scripturally, loving oneself is not the problem. What the passage is saying is, just like you love yourself, just like you want to nourish your flesh, just like you want to cherish your flesh, just like you want to meet your needs, just like you want to provide for yourself, you ought to love your neighbor the same way. That's what it's really saying. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. <clears throat> Wouldn't it be something if your neighbor never cut his grass? What would happen if you didn't cut your grass? What would you do? You'd go cut it. Why? Because you don't want people thinking you're a bum. Look at that yard. Can you believe that? These people look like they, you know, next thing you know, there'll be a car up in the, par- in the, in the, 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 the yard on blocks. <clears throat> and so you cut your grass because you're worried about what people in the neighborhood think about you. Your neighbor doesn't cut his, and what do we do? We complain about him, and we talk about how bad he is. If we really loved him like ourselves, maybe we'd get out there and cut his. Because we wouldn't want anybody to think bad about him either, just like we don't want anybody to think bad about us. I'm just saying, practically speaking and very, very simply speaking, this, the, the, the mixed understanding of what real love is. Love, lo, lo, I mean, loving ourselves is not hard. We do a good job of that. Obviously, there are applications, there are some situations that are unusual and specific and maybe uh, unique. However, I, I tell you, biblically, scripturally, though, he makes it clear that we're all good at loving ourselves. We ought to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the real issue here. Now I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. <clears throat> now that we have addressed that, I want to I look at this passage now. Because, again, we're talking about getting back to loving, and we haven't started the lesson yet, but I'm kind of giving some groundwork background. And then we're going to touch on a couple of issues. We're going to, we're going to ask a couple of questions. <clears throat> First of all, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. Notice 
what God has the apostle saying here in the passage here. He says, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. There's a command here. Notice again, he says, make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. So here's the thing. Love isn't just I love you. Love is I love you and I'm going to grow in love toward you. Biblically, you're to grow in your love. Biblically, you're to continue to have more love and grow in more love toward one another. That's what he says here. To increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you, he says. So what does love mean then? We start talking about the word love. What are we talking about? Well, I want to have a word of prayer, and then I'll answer that question and a couple others. So let's pray. Father, we come to you. Bless us now in these next few minutes. May our hearts be encouraged. May we be instructed and inspired, Father, to accomplish more for your glory. We love you, and we need you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, what is normal and what is spiritual really cannot be confused, and we have to be real careful with that. When we start dealing with love, what is normal and what is spiritual cannot be confused. Now, we got to be careful that we don't consider our normalcy based on the normalcy around us. I'm telling you, there's a real problem. Why? You say, what's the big deal? Well, because we as believers have a standard, and that standard is found in the Word of God. And all of our hope is wrapped up in this book, the Word of God. So what is normal as far as love is concerned in the world in which we live may not be normal in God's word and how we're to respond, lovingly speaking. Biblically, we are to learn that we learn that love is defined differently. It's defined differently in the word of God than it is defined in the world. That's obvious. Now, in our culture, when we use the word love, what we're really talking about is an emotion. We talk about it in an emotional sense. You know, um, we'll say things like, you know, I'm, I fell in love today. I just feel so good. I'm in love. Love is more emotionally based. It's, it's, it's rooted in emotion in the culture we live in. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. In a biblical sense, love is, is I'm not saying that emotions don't accompany biblical love. You know, it can and does often in, include emotion. And, and I'll be honest with you, many times it's more intense, it's more genuine, it's more consistent, even in that aspect. But what we are saying is that scriptural love is not rooted in emotion, though. There is a vast difference between the love that you and I have been trained, taught, and saturated with in the culture we live, and the kind of love that is described and, and, and shared in the Word of God. I mean, it's totally different. Now, I, I believe personally that the reason why divorce is so common in America is because people are not in love with a person. They're in love with love. You say, that's weird. No, listen, they're, they're not in love with a person. They're, they're in love with love itself, the emotion of love. See, it's a drug of the heart. And we are a society that loves pills and we're a society that loves to have prescriptions and so forth. And boy, I'll tell you what, there is no more powerful drug in the world than love, the feeling of love, the emotion of love. 
People take their own lives because someone has jilted them, a lover has jilted them, or because a boyfriend or girlfriend has left them. Are you kidding me? It's because they've got so dependent on the feeling of love. They lose that feeling and their whole world comes crashing down. Look, if you would, in 1 John chapter 4. First of all, let me share what love is not. What it's not. Let's talk to you a little bit about what love is not. I'm going to give you three things that it's not. We'll probably get through the introduction of this lesson or message tonight. And that's what we're going to talk about right there. Is what love is not. Because I think it's important that we begin to really wrap our minds around what true love is. Before we can love according to the word of God, we have to understand what it's not. Because we've been inundated with what it's not. We've been affected negatively by what it's not. We bought in many times to the definition of love based on our culture, the society we live. Notice 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. First of all, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Verse 21 of that same chapter. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Now, you say, what are you sharing? What are you trying to get across from these two verses? Here it is. If love were natural, we wouldn't have to be commanded to do it. That's that's what I want you to kind of wrap your mind around for a while. If love were so natural, so normal, then we would not have to be commanded to do so. And yet in the passage, it's quite clear that, and this commandment have we from him. And earlier he says, beloved, let us love one another. Why is he commanding us to love if it's so natural? It's because it's not natural. See, love is not natural. That's the first thing, that love is not. See, there's a law in thermodynamics that says any closed system left to itself will in time deteriorate and degenerate. Now, one writer that I read applied this truth to spiritual matters. And he coined the phrase, quote, the law of carnal gravitation. And we know that gravity draws us down. Well, he says there's a law in his mind of carnal gravitation based on this law of thermodynamics. And he described it as such. He said, any inaction that is not corrected will ultimately continue to deteriorate to destruction. So as long as we continue to do nothing about changing or ultimately take action to identify with biblical love, then we're going to be trapped in this cultural definition which ultimately leads to nothingness and destruction. If you want to know where those areas of the Christian life are that lead to destruction, then all you have to do is look at commands that God has given us. See, wherever there's a tendency to gravitate downwardly carnally, that's where God shores the thing up by, com- by, by placing a commandment under it to keep it strong. So there's obviously a, a real propensity for us to decline in this aspect of love. So God says, I'm going to make some commands here and I'm going to put it here because otherwise you're not going to do a very good job of it. 
You're not going to love your brethren. You're not going to love one another. You're not going to do that if I don't command you to. I'm going to have to lay a foundation. I'm going to have to put a stop to it. And here it is. Once you get to that point and you stop doing what I tell you to do, you're only going down further and further, and it's going to wreck and ruin you and everyone around you. So here's the command. And in this case, he commands that we, that we love God, uh, that we love his brother, that we love our brother also. If you love God, love your brother also. So because love is not natural, God commands us to love. In 1 John 4, 21, we already read it. It says, and this commandment have we from him. You know what? Furthermore, it's interesting to note this as well. Why does God have to command a husband to love his wife? Why does he have to command his, a husband to love his wife? I'll tell you why. Because it's not natural. You say, well, you don't know because you're not married to me. If you was married to me, it'd be quite natural. <laughs> no, it isn't. Sorry. Wrong answer. <clears throat> I mean, God knows better than anybody. It's not natural. And the kind of love that you and I are to demonstrate and extend, can I tell you this, is a supernatural love. And, and so when I say it's not natural, what I'm saying is, is that you in your own mind may say, well, I love, I do love. But see, it's not God's definition. It's not truly the kind of love God would have us to love with. He wants us to love in a, with a supernatural love. And that love has to come from God himself. The Bible says, he that loveth is born of God. I don't know about you, but the last time I checked, the new birth is a supernatural birth. He says, he that loveth is born of God. You can never share the kind of love God would, would have you to share unless you are a Christian. You, I'm telling you, if you are lost today, you are, you are simply operating in the flesh. You cannot love as God intended because you can't love that way, the way God says to, without a supernatural love that he himself provides through a supernatural birth. John says, 1 John, again, in verses 7 and 8, He that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So that means it's not enough to just be a Christian either then. He that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Well, that's interesting too then. See, then... As I said already, then it's not enough just to be a Christian. You say, well, at least I'm a Christian. I, I'm, I've been born supernaturally. I'm, I have the new birth and Christ lives in me and therefore I love the way God intended me to love. No, no, not necessarily. No. See, it's not a given that because you're a Christian, you're going to manifest the love of God in your life. Even as it's not a given that because you're a Christian, you're going to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, you can be a child of God and never manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And what's the fruit of the Spirit? What's the first one on the list? Love. He says, the fruit of the Spirit of these, love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Love, right at the top of the list. And let me tell you, it's the fruit. F-R-U-I-T. No S. Fruit. 
Well, I tell you, that love is not something that comes through our own effort. It's a supernatural love. It's a God-given love. And it's only found or made possible as our relationship with the Lord increases, so will our love, because He then is given the ability to work in and through us. The opportunity, I should say, to work in and through us. See, you have to be filled with the Spirit to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And may I say, love is not natural. It has to be commanded. Because God knows if it ain't commanded, we probably wouldn't do it. See, we have to be told to do it. Isn't it funny? There's some things you have to tell your kids, right? Brush your teeth. Why? Because we don't want your teeth rotten out of your head before you graduate. After that, do what you want. But right now, you've got to keep those babies clean because I can't afford to take you to the dentist. That's not why we really tell them that, but nonetheless, you get the point. I mean, can you imagine a parent that never tells their kid, you have to take a bath. There isn't a boy in the room that would jump in water except a swimming pool or a lake. We know this. Because I've been to camp for so many years. Trust me, you got to tell them to get in the shower or the bathtub because some of them still don't want to and don't get it, but that's the way it is. And you know what? It's the same with love again. God commands it because he knows. Sadly enough, there's many believers that would not love if they weren't commanded to. That it would be a natural digression. We would ultimately get worse and worse and worse at it. And he says, I'm going to put this command in here so that it bottoms out and you've got to change. You can't keep going that direction anymore. You've got to love. Years ago as a teenager, and even as I grew into young adulthood, I I still recall hearing preacher after preacher talk about how men are commanded to love their wives. But on the other hand, as they talked about the women or the wives... They would say, well, you know, women, they have this, love is natural for a woman. It's natural. Women just naturally love. They have a natural tenderness, a natural compassion that men just don't have. And you know, I'll be honest with you, it did appear that way at times in years past. It, It seemed like moms just had a genuine, a, a, a desire for compassion. They loved their kids. They loved much more than men as a whole. But wait a second, over the last 50 years or so, that thinking has had to change somewhat. See, with unwanted children being tossed into dumpsters and women abandoning their children for a number of different reasons, we've been forced to reconsider that teaching. We can't stand up in pulpits today and say, women have a natural propensity for love while men, they struggle with it. We don't say that anymore. You don't hear that preaching much anymore, do you? Because even the culture we live in has proven that's not the case. It used to be tough to see the difference. It was easy to see that there was this gulf between men and women and compassion and love and how they addressed and dealt with children and people, but eh, it's not quite like that anymore. And you know what? It's never really been that way. Can, can I tell you that the fact is, is that Somebody was taught to love in the old days. Look if you would in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. 
Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. <clears throat> the Bible goes on to say there, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, ladies. Teachers of good things, <laughs> that they may, watch this, that they may teach the young women to be what? Sober. That's not talking about alcohol. That's serious minded. That's what that's talking about. <laughs> Some of you, you, you got to understand what the Bible's saying there. It's talking about being serious minded. So the older women are to teach the younger women to be sober. Watch this. To love their husbands. To love their what? That's strange, isn't it? You mean to tell me that God says that the older women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands and love their children? That's what the Bible just said, didn't it? You want to know why? Because it's not natural. And you want to know why we're struggling to exhibit love today? Is because we have failed in this area. The older women are not teaching the younger women. And sadly enough, the younger women are teaching the younger women. But they're not teaching them how to love their husbands and love their children. They're teaching them a lot of other things. See, what used to be common, even, even with the unsaved... An older woman would say, man, listen, you're just going to have to love that husband even though his socks are dirty and they're laying on the floor. You're just going to have to love that teenager even though they're going through a time in their life that's very difficult and troublesome. Let me tell you something. You've got to put, deal with that thing. You're going to have to draw some lines in the sand. You're going to do this and this. But you've got to keep a good spirit. You've got to stay sweet. and You've got to do this. And Nowadays they say, oh, kick him out. Get rid of him. You don't have to put up with that junk. And those teenagers... Man, I'll tell you what, just pray that it gets over with as soon as possible. What are you talking about? We're not, it's not being taught. Love is not being taught the way it was. It's very practical. And so the older women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands and their children. So there's no doubt that love is not natural then. We see that love's not natural, but also we note this. Love is not perpetual. It's not perpetual. Love does not continue to grow on its own. You say, what? Yeah. See, the world tells you that love continues to grow on its own. It just happens. It just gets better and better and better. Really? How many have ever had a child who wanted a dog or a pet of some kind? You probably have, right? You say, now listen... You do understand they have to eat regularly, don't you? I'm talking they're going to want to eat more than like once every two weeks. On a consistent basis. Oh, oh, I'll keep the bowl full, Dad. You know that they have to be washed and bathed on a regular basis. Huh, are you kidding? Every night, man. Every night. If I have to, I'll throw them in with me. You, you realize that dogs make messes. I mean, it's going to be crazy. You're going to have to clean up and red up the mess faithfully and consistently. And by the way, they do some really nasty things consistently and regularly too. Oh, it won't hit the ground before I have a scooper under it, Dad. 
I mean, they got all the answers for about two weeks. Everything goes good for that first couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden, you notice the dog's pushing an empty bowl around the kitchen with its nose. And there's an aroma that fills the, the air and as the dog passes by. You know, now the way that a child or the way that child views a dog is the same way that many of you love today. No feeding, no maintenance or care required. All you have to do is fall into it, give into it. It'll sweep you along, getting better and better all the time. But let me tell you, love left to itself is going to die. And love left, and and love from a sinful heart is nothing more than just self-destruction. It's not perpetual. It doesn't perpetuate itself. It doesn't just happen. Man, I'll tell you what, I just met this wonderful girl. She's so beautiful. She's so pretty. She's so lovely. She's so kind. She's so, oh, perfect preacher. She's perfect. And I just love her. Let me tell you something. Um, It's not perpetual. And by the way, if all there is is a feeling, you got problems. Finally, love's not conditional. Many have a because love. You know, I love you because you're so pretty. I love you because you're so handsome. Really had a problem with that when I was younger. Everybody loved me. I couldn't understand it. At least they said that. It was all emotional, of course. Until they got to know me, then it was real. (laughs) I had to save it somehow, right? Okay, there you go. The kind of love that we're to extend, the kind of love that you and I as believers are to exhibit, Well, it's not a because of love, and it's not a if love. You know, it's not, I love you if you meet my conditions or my standards. That's not the kind of love God intended for you and I. It's an in spite of love. In spite of this, I still love you. In spite of that, I still love you. A woman was in a car accident and it tore the lower part of her face from her body, literally from the nose to the breastbone. She was engaged to be married at the time when it took place. Her fiance, he he entered the room. He took one look at her and he left the room and it's the last time he ever saw her. He was out of her life. But before you get too discouraged, let me tell you that she married her plastic surgeon. I guess he liked his work. (laughs) Apparently along the way, as he made this journey of restoring her face, he saw something much deeper than this. And may I say, too often in the culture in which we live, all we see is this. As a result of that, our love is truly emotionally based. And it is often conditional. An if love. That's what most people possess today. 
if you, if you please me, then I love you. If you make me feel good, then I love you. If you meet my needs, then I love you. If you'll, if, 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 if. Marriage vows to, they, they state, they make a statement in marriage vows. Till death do us part. You know, that you've heard that, right? If you're married, you probably said it, I would imagine. Sadly, there are a number of conditions that accompany that statement today. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, look at the divorce rate. I mean, I don't know. That, that is not a very difficult thing to say. Till death do us part. But it's a lot harder to live. Paul's not talking about an if kind of love. A because kind of love. He's talking about a love that's sacrificial in its resolve. See, love is never truly measured until a sacrifice is required. The greater the sacrifice required, the greater the love then. And if you think that love is just a flowery bed of ease, that, that, it should, that, that it should be just warm fuzzies and happiness, and then the moment that something happens that you have to make a sacrifice in the name of love, and you think it's unfair, then you don't really understand love. Not biblical love. You don't understand it. See, true love rises to the occasion under the greatest duress. See, the kind of love that Paul's speaking of is more greatly revealed under pressure and pain than at any other time in our lives. I'm glad that Jesus Christ had that kind of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm glad that God the Father had that kind of love. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 3, 12, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Hey, this is God's specialty, this love thing. See, we know that God is love, right? And if we'll let God be manifest in our lives, then we'll manifest love in our lives. But I believe we need to get back to love today. And back to loving, as the Bible would describe it. There's no romance novel. There's no marriage seminar. There's no love song or love story that can develop love like God can. And by the way, never forget, it is the fruit of the Spirit. And when we're yielded to Him, then He produces this love in us. If you lack love in your life today, and I'm not just talking about for a wife or for your children, I'm talking about for your brethren and all men, the Bible says, then it's a spiritual problem in your life. Again, I'm not here to scold anyone. I'm just stating the biblical truth. We as believers, if anyone, need to love as God loves. we got to be filled with the Spirit, and we must exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And that, that fruit is love. 
If there is one thing that will attract the world to you and I today, it will be love. I understand we've got to stand strong on the truth, and sometimes people don't like the truth, and I realize that we have to take a position sometimes that is contrary to culture, but let me tell you something. How we take that stand is a big difference. There's a big difference. And there has to be God-like love in our lives. And, and it has to be visible. It has to be seen. You say, well, I feel a lot of love for people. Do you show it? Because if you don't show it, nobody knows it. So love is what is missing in many cases. And I believe it's time for God's people to get back to loving as outlined in the scriptures. Again, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. See, it's not perpetual. You have to work at this thing and grow in it. And toward all men even as we do toward you. Uh, when we get together the next time, we'll talk about who are we to love and a couple of other aspects. But boy, this thing of love is so important. It's not natural. It's supernatural. May God help us to love the brethren, love the Lord, and love our families, and love the world the way we ought to. We can't do that unless we do it his way. And with his help, he's the one that, it's his love that has to be working and being manifest in our lives. Father, we come to you.